to No Real Left Behind. I am Brian here in North Texas, and I am joined by the one, the only, Frank in Austin. Frank, how are you, buddy? What up, Brian? Doing well, man. I'm um, finally reporting from the back patio of the house. Uh, Whoa, hold up. I feel like... Yeah, exactly. I was was waiting for the, you know, Mm -hmm. either on the intro or the, the statement. So, yeah. Yeah, we're on the back patio. It's like 74 degrees out here. Just absolutely perfect. Give us a little Frank's weather report. Yeah, right I was going to. your local forecast on the Weather Channel. Yeah, 74, full moon, no wind, just absolutely, I mean, this is the payoff. I got to be honest, the if payoff. the Weather Channel had a weather guy who was just sitting in an Under Armour shirt, smoking a cigar on the patio, talking about the weather... Weather Channel would be a lot cooler. It would be. And, and you know, it, it takes me back to Al Roker throwing it to the one dude who used to do the Smucker bar, Jar birthdays. <laughs> What's his name? I have no clue. Uh, it's, it's it's also Al something. It was the, the weather guy that was on the Today Show before Al Roker. No, it was like Wesley. Maybe, it might have been Wesley. In any case, he would throw it to this dude once a day for the 100-year birthdays. And during that time, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I know X, Y, and Z is 100 years old, and they'd appear on a Smucker's jar. Oh, my God. Um, you know, virtually, not actually. Wow. But yeah, that, that was that whole bit. It was a bit that ran until the guy died. <laughs> um, in any case, I'm on my back patio. It's perfect. I'm smoking a Pravada Club. Brian's going to name it. Well, it's the, yeah, it's the Decrossier by... Uh... I can, I can, I can kill the Weather Channel here. It's a Decrossier uh, by uh, Santana. I mean, he just goes. He has like four names, uh, but uh, he's based out of the Dominican Republic, originally from Cuba. And uh, he got pissed off when people were like, uh, "Dominican tobacco is not all that great." So he took uh, a Dominican puro, like all Dominican filler wrapper and binder, and uh, made it in the traditional Cuban style. Made a Habano cigar and. It is. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is uh, Brian knows my cigar kind of flavors, right? This is the first cigar I smoked in damn near ten months. Um, this is one of the best cigars I've ever smoked. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is heavy when it comes to the the nicotine. There's a lot in here, um, but more importantly, it's flavorful. Like when you smoke the cigar. You're going to taste coffee. There's like walnut, almond type flavors in there. It's it's intense, um, but it's it's a Connecticut leaf wrapper. Oh, it's a Bono um, leaf. It's a Bono leaf. Yeah. What does that mean? So it is, uh, it's not It's not a Connecticut. It doesn't have that creamy peppery. It really does good. have a lot of uh, more nuanced pepper flavors to it. Um, but it's but 100% Dominican. It's 100% Dominican, yeah. Um, That's a delicious cigar. I mean... I don't say it lightly. I love cigars. Mm-hmm. It it reminds me of what was that? Um, what the hell was that cigar? You brought me a 
I think it, man, I think it was an Arturo Fuente cigar that you brought me that was kind of intense, but also mild. Like th- this is that's how I would describe. Oh no, this. I brought it's intense an, but mild. I brought an Ave Maria. Um, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and it it legitimately is not. I wouldn't even call it smoking a cigar. You like smoking coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, and that's it's, the, that's it's that like that's that classic Habano uh, stick. It's not that uh, cracked black pepper or uh, um, cedar that you get from. Uh, Connecticut leaf. It is more like Java. It's a, it's a cup of coffee and a smoke. But I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's what I really enjoy about it specifically is, okay. So I'm a person who smokes cigars for, um, I guess like the lightness of it. Mm -hmm. And if it's a light flavor, I really enjoy it. But if it's too intense, I really don't enjoy it. Like I I am not a fan of it. And Brian knows I'm a person who has a very kind of particular cigar flavor. Um, And it's, it's not that I judge anybody that has a different flavor. I just don't have that flavor. Like to me, a cigar is like an accompaniment to something else. It's not the main kind of the, the star of the show. And I know a lot of people that enjoy those intense smokes. I would put this right at that perfect medium. Like, it is the star of whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. but it's not taken over. Like the, the after aftertaste is nil. Yep. Um, you're sitting here with a very mild smoke that has an intense forward, like uh, kind of first couple seconds. It, that beautiful cigar. Thank you for for giving me two of those. That's yeah. just fantastic, dude. When I smoked the first one, I was like, you know, who would like this? Because it is. Like, I know your comfort zone. You like that creamy, like, almost amaretto cigar. Uh, like, Padron. Yeah, de- but, but not sweet. No, 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 not, not sweet. But it's a, in the cigar world, it is a, uh-huh. like, creamy almond finish. And, like, Padron Damaso is that for me. And uh, this one, I was like, it might push him a little out of his comfort zone, but it's so nice. And it's a Dominican Puro. So, you know, you, you got you to gotta represent family there. Uh, yeah, and it's not, I, I wouldn't even say, like, Yes, it's out of my normal comfort zone flavor-wise, but um, it's so gentle. Yeah. Like, that's the part that, like, you can tell someone went and smoked, like, 70 of these bitches and Mm -hmm. found (laughs) a mix. You know, like, there wasn't someone who said, we have this and this and combine them and make a cigar. And that's that's what I, honestly, that's what I like about... um, Damasos mm-hmm. is it's clearly a blend that they've perfected over years, um, if not decades, and and that's why they're able to sell it for that premium. This this reminds me very much of a a little bit stronger Damaso. Like mm-hmm. it, it's something I would buy a case of this all day. There's no yep. doubt about it. They no um they this guy is labeled as the cigar makers cigar maker, people who make cigars and like grow the the tobacco prefer this yeah. guy's smoke. Uh, and last month in the uh, farm rolled, there was a Decrassier or a, technically a Santana takeover in the farm rolled, which is a, a, another monthly add on that you can do through Pravada cigar club. Basically you get four unbanded cigars from uh, a, a single cigar maker or a single farm and uh, you get to enjoy it. So like I had, I've already, you get four of them every month. I've already smoked two, <laughs> two of the Santana, farm roll because they were so good like 
it doesn't matter which which ones they are, like which uh, ring gauge or length that you're smoking. They're all fucking phenomenal. And you mentioned that it has a tight roll on it, like it is a tight smoke. It's not something you can uh, breeze through like you normally can. Every one of his cigars have been that way so far, and to me, it is like the perfect chill and like sip on some scotch i was just gonna say that like i'm not used to a tightly rolled cigar burning this well oh yeah well and that's the other thing it's so smooth suck 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 to keep that oxygen going Mm -hmm. um and this is not a person who's a cigar aficionado by any means like literally my first cigar in damn near 10 months um what i will say is is well yes my first cigar since um the birth of the baby and it's definitely my first cigar since the middle of the pregnancy so yeah it's probably 10 months since i smoked the cigar mm-hmm. and this specific one has it has a flavor profile like i said that's on 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 par but it has a, a the tightness of the roll is not what i'm used to right i'm used to something like this needing a constant like you, you got know, a babysitter yeah you have to babysit it this one you don't it mm-hmm. just it keeps going yep. the, the amount of time i just talked I would not be comfortable doing that normally. Dude, you know, like I think you've I got, you've got to be sure the thing stays lit because otherwise you're you're relighting and the flavor goes away and it's terrible. Yeah, I think I I think I touched mine up one time the first time I smoked. I've bought I think I probably bought five or six of those cigars. Uh, Did they sell them in flats? Yeah, so I have it pulled up here. It's ten bucks a stick, which is. Well, dude, fucking cheap. wild, right? No, uh, one ninety five for a box of twenty right now okay yeah no i'm probably gonna do that because i normally like i said the damaso i'm lucky i know a lot of people would you know not buy damaso in a case i i do get complete wholesale pricing from my cigar store on that because yeah. i sell them wine mm-hmm. um but i pay for the damaso 225 for 24 yeah and that's a stupidly good price yeah like, most people you're buying that at 14 15 bucks a stick um I might switch to this. Maybe we'll see. I mean, I'll smoke it. I'll smoke the next one to make sure it's it's like the same, you know, consistency. But if if it is, I might switch because it's it, like I I'm a basic bitch when it comes to cigars. Like, g- give me something that I can consistently smoke the same way that I know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Don't get me something wild. Yep. You know the wild shit. No, I'm out. <laughs> um, the shit that'll put you on your back. Yep. For fucking three hours, I'm out. Um, it's funny you mentioned the nicotine content of that cigar because I did not pick that up. But if you're smoking the first no, time, no, it's in higher. Ten, it's higher than the Maso, no doubt. If you pick, if you're this is the first smoke in ten months, you're probably gonna feel a lot more. So no, dude, it's not, I had a Damaso, Well, obviously ten months ago, but it's not. It's it's not the same. Like this, this is definitely higher when it comes to the nicotine content. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, uh, I am. Um, I like the old Pravada Cigar Club, if for no other reason than finding something like a diamond in the rough like that and then being able to go back and buy it again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've bought, like I said, five or six of those. Um, the Maduro, which is aged longer. I think it's aged seven years. This one, the Habano, is aged uh, six. Um, we're joined by Willem here. I'll pot up here in a second. Um, but the one that I keep going back to, Frank, because it's the one that I know that I can, like, I know what to expect is made by CLE, and it's got the wildest fucking name ever, but it's a box-pressed Maduro, which is anti mm-hmm. what you're into, but it's the CLE Azerbaijan, and my word, 
it is one of the best smoking experiences that I've had. Period. Yeah. Um, Dude, but this is this is great. And uh, Pravada's out of Oklahoma, right? No, they're based out of Orlando. You're thinking Which, you're thinking of Ultimo. And how how good is Ultimo? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the I had some would have been much more stellar if it were. <laughs> yeah, I would have talked about it a lot more. I had some uh, construction issues, which I understand. Like uh, he's hand rolling his cigars, and when I purchased from him last year, um, they were going through actual employee changes. Like so, rollers they, they were training new rollers. The, an old a guy was transitioning out. It was Is a whole lot going on. Atlanta. No. Uh, Tulsa, right? Tulsa, yeah, Ultimo, based out of Tulsa. Um, there was some, yeah, like this. There's some construction issues, and then there was some uh, availability issues when I went to buy back some new ones, and it's just it got to be a little bit too much. I'm sure that in person, there's a, a different a different setup up there, and if you can get them in brick and mortar uh, cigar shops up there, I think you're probably going to get a better experience. Um, That's but, fair. And then I guess the the last thing I want to state is, uh, as far as beer goes, I'm having this. Uh, Syria Brewing Co. and a grain, what is it? Grain wave. Sorry, it's kind of dark out here. No, no worries. Uh, you just have a bunch of lights on behind you, so I'm sure yeah, that it is very dark. No, it's it's <laughs> the fact that the lights reflect off the oh. label like all at once. It yeah. kind of shines. Uh, grain wave Belgian style hops. I don't know what the Belgian style hop means. Um, this is quite. I mean, it's a good beer. Okay. Um, it's. Let's see if they actually state that. It's a, whoa, they add coriander. Yeah. Orange peel. Mm-hmm. And then they just say hops. Malted wheat, oats. Sounds water, like water, pale malt. Sounds like they made a wit beer. Uh, an NA wit beer. I, I would say it is an NA wit beer, but it doesn't come out as a wit beer. Well. It, it kind of looks more like a nail. Yeah. But it's great. It's it's really I mean, impressively good. Well good. Um, um since we're doing the uh, the Villem late edition uh, beer beer talk uh, because Villem, I know you're just joining us. Thank you for for joining us from. Well, Tulsa he's right Town. on cue. You're on cue because uh, I'm going to introduce my beer at 14 minutes into the cast as well. Just like the good old days, Villem. We've been talking right about now. we've been talking about cigars. Cigars. I literally did not know we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah, no, no. This is a podcast, Villem. It's something that you can download oh, yeah, on your phone too. or. I'm sorry, it's, it's, sorry. it's all good. I'm drinking review on iTunes. I'm drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking Southside Sessions, a South Austin brewery collaboration with St. Elmo Brewing. And um, it's just a straight-up pale ale, 5.3% alcohol by volume, looking nice and clear. Nothing nothing uh, offensive, nothing to anything. It's really, really good, very tasty, um, much like uh, our other beers that we had from St. Elmo, which uh, you might hear a uh, little, like, Live from the field, post record like pre-recorded live from the field uh, with Frank and Brian at the end of this episode. If uh, I get it edited in time, um, but yeah, uh, Villem in Tulsa. Um, I see you chilling in what I thought was a Batman shirt at first, and I got I was like, wow, weird, weird flex on Batman. But you were. Uh, what, what do you think, think it is? Now? Like a boundary it, waters. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it like a bunch of people in a canoe, like in front of the Oklahoma Shield? I don't know. Or is that too this? bad. Uh, it's the raft. It's raft race shirt. I don't remember what year. I think 2015. Oh, okay. Was fair. that the year that y'all almost died in the Tulsa River, or is that the year that you almost died <laughs> in the Tulsa River? That was 2017. <laughs> she <laughs> says. <laughs> well, you got to ask those clarifying questions. You got to make sure we get the right dates. So 
Seriously. Um, I'm drinking an iHeart beer. No, oh, I'm kidding. It's class. my koozie. I'm drinking a... Sponsored by iHeart Radio. Seven. Oh, Tank 7. Oh, Tank 7. Can't That's go good. wrong with that. That's good shit. So, uh, I played, well, I was going to play some music with a friend last night, but we ended up just hanging out and talking. And he brought over some Tank 7, and so I'm having one of those. Were you shooting um, the shit, if it were? If you will. Yeah, I was going to be uh, me. It's me and two other friends who, like, you know, we'll play some music every, every week, but the one guy <laughs> claims he ate tuna and <laughs> wasn't feeling well. What? Felt more like a cop <laughs> out. <laughs> to which the other friend goes, I hope you shit your pants. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's a good friend. all things, too. <laughs> like, what are you doing playing around with tuna, sir? Like, yeah. Um, so. I like my anyway, chicken so medium. Talk, but I noticed, like, uh, last night that they're, like, much bigger bottles. I never noticed that. Or they seem like beefier are they just thicker maybe they're uh they're mini belgian bottles so um belgian glass if you notice like 750 milliliter bottles uh being a thing and early on in craft beer days um for singles at least they are they're uh for people in the wine world they're shaped more like chardonnay bottles than the Mm -hmm. traditional like giant uh oversized beer bottle um that you see for 22 ounce and that's there for a reason uh and those uh, Boulevard Smokestack Series beers mimic that same bottle shape in just in a 12 ounce size. Um, because Belgian beers are h- more highly carbonated, uh, the glass does have to be a different shape and a little bit thicker so that it doesn't blow up. So yeah, there's your there's your beer uh, bottle lesson for the evening. That's pretty wild, yeah. So they're actually still just 12 ounces, though. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, there's some people who make them. They may be like 11.2 or something crazy like that. But yeah, they're. I'm trying to find it. But, I mean, I believe it's probably 12 ounces. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Oh, well, yeah, it's 12. Definitely check me. Definitely check me, boo. Well, I, I wasn't you. checking. Yeah, yeah, Mouth feels like, mm, feels like you didn't believe me. It's fine. Well, let's just, next time I'll be, I'll know to just take your word for it. Thank you. And that's how I started spreading pro, pro-Brian propaganda. Uh, yeah. It's unfortunate because it's not always true, but it's oh, fine. It's, He's got the microphone. Goddamn right, and I have the mute button for y'all. I mean, it's not really it's a button. Not it's, really more about, button. It's, it, so. it's not really about the truth. It's about the loyalty. Exactly. True. Kiss the ring, bitches. If we learned anything over Go the on. past five years. It's all about the loyalty. I actually I signed a loyalty pledge this weekend. Oh, that was at your local uh, co-op where you all um, <laughs> pledged. We went your... to St. Elmo, and Brian made me do it. I, d- I didn't want to do it. Wow, well, that's true. Why not? You joined a co-op? Yeah, it was a real cool co-op. We all get on our knees and pray to the giant salt statue in the middle. It's great. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, what is it, MBO M- VPN? MBO. Uh, worry about, don't worry about it. The train's about to get here. I'm going to go on N- NBLB uh, MLM is what it is. It's, it's, it's pretty sweet. We're starting a cult MLM. It worked out really well for, uh, was it uh, Stevia? Nexium. Nexium, that's what it is. <laughs> Uh, Prilosec OTC. Oh, God. Yeah. We're going to get genital tats. Just the dudes, though. <laughs> I hope you guys are ready. Oh, my God. I, listen, whatever. All right, Brian, what are you drinking? He already said. I already 1,000% already said I'm that. I'm sorry, I didn't. You did, you did that shit on <laughs> like purpose. Nah, No, I'm not falling for it. You <laughs> did that shit on purpose. I knew I'm, it. I'm sorry, villain. What are you drinking? There it is. I love beer. I heart okay. beer. I heart so, beer. So, is it sponsored by I Heart Media? Um, mm-hmm. 
They didn't pay their. So, I didn't cash their check this week. They're not sponsoring shit. Can we quickly do a quick rant here? Just Can't a wait. Two minute rant. I should, um, should I put some time on the clock? <laughs> yeah, two two minutes. Put it on the clock. I. It's if okay. So if anybody in this country is still like confused about what's going on in Ukraine, uh, go listen to what Zelensky said today in front of the U.S. Congress and try not to walk away from that with absolute tears in your eyes. Um, that is a man who is simply just smitten with his country and their democracy, as we all should be. And he he put it in the most clear terms that I think I've ever heard, that essentially if if being alive or, or, or if, if, yeah, if, it, if being alive isn't meant to protect other lives, then being alive isn't worth it. That's essentially what he said. And if you at all feel as though there's some middle ground in what's going on over there and um, an independent nation being attacked and um, civilians being killed and you see little kids under the age of any age, honestly, but like a five-year-old walking around crying, trying to find a spot, you know, to, to be evacuated out of his own horror. And if that doesn't just make you break down, I don't, you're not human. Like what is going on over there is an atrocity the same way that Syria was the same way that Iraq and Afghanistan was. Um, and, and honestly, the West we not only need to wake up, but we need to evaluate our policies based on this new, you know, reporting. It's not, when, when we went into Iraq, we didn't see this and we should have known that this was happening. And I'm not faulting people for not assuming that, you know, this wasn't happening. That's not, that is how media works. And I understand that that is the narrative that is framed and, you know, USA, USA and all that shit, even though, um, we all should be blinded by that, but we're not. It's people are, you know, we're not infallible. We all have our issues, um, but we now see this, and we understand in a twenty what first century reality what war is, and it's being broadcasted to your TV every fucking evening. And if you're gonna sit there and, you know still consume propaganda when the reality on the ground is so clear and it's so obvious and what's going on is so patently wrong that's on you and you will be judged for that it's not there there's no right in what putin is doing there is no right in what he's doing he has no right to do what he's doing and i am more than transparent and saying America had no right to do this in Iraq either. But that is lesson learned. This is the current situation we're in. And if you want to keep bringing that up as a counter argument, then you also probably need to be psychiatrically evaluated because that's not a point. It's a point going forward when other decisions are being made by America. But it's not a point in the current situation. And quite frankly, Trevor Noah had a point in what he was saying on his show. I understand what he was trying to do. But 
um, it's a point, and now it's time to kind of come back to what what the actual kind of grandiose moment is that we're living in. Because if we're just constantly going to sit on the sidelines and say, you know, well, if this were brown people and et cetera, et cetera, it's it's a kind of a counter narrative, and it helps what Russia is trying to establish here, and it it doesn't help the overall need that those people have, and the dangers that we are facing in not truly being able to support them in the ultimate way that we should be. Um, so I, I, it's so complex, but go watch that speech and try to feel anything but just incredible pride for that human being being in his position at this point in history. Uh, it's so, I mean, the man is a fucking, I, I, I don't think we've seen a world leader like him, even though he was a fucking comedian before this. Um, in damn near a century. The man will not stand down. He will go down with that country if they do go down. Like, you will not hear his voice from, like, fucking London or Geneva. It just won't happen. Um, He will be there, and he will be executed if this ends up being it. And fucking cheers to him, man. Like, But his military is holding out well. They mm-hmm. are, they are, but they're really still well. facing, they're still facing Goliath. It's not easy. No, but I mean, uh, I've started hearing like from some of the defense ministers and stuff, ministries of defense, you know, like the UK, and then there's like our own defense department talking about how Russia's running out of weaponry and resources and how sure there's no way they can sustain this. But Russia hasn't ran out of the ugly stuff. And that's the part that they, when they ran out of the real stuff in Syria, that's when they decided to turn this into like the ugliest thing you've ever seen. And the West said nothing about it. Yeah. They resorted to Um, chemical warfare, which is exactly what happened in World War I and then World War II. Chemical warfare. Yeah. Because that's when they started dropping those like fucking powdered gas bombs or sarin gas and stuff. Yeah. Things that were, that would just lay on the surface for months. They, they've already started dropping butterfly bombs, which are fucking terrifying. Um, because those are, yeah, it's a bomb that goes off over there and it could hit like fucking a mile behind you. It's terrible. What what, it's even scarier. There are little propellants that shoot out from, uh, like a, a charge that detonates above the surface of the earth. Yeah, yeah. And then these little things, you, have you ever seen those um, like willow leaves or willow uh, seeds, whatever they are, yeah. you, like you throw them up in the air and uh, they fall off trees and then they spiral down and they mm-hmm. land softly. And that's how the tree germinates. Well, they do that except they have tiny explosive charges on them. And these things like that float down to the earth are brightly colored, usually like green, blue, something that's not a natural color, like bright green, bright blue. And uh, what happens is children walk over to pick them up and then they blow off like legs or hands of whoever it is that's around them when those explosive charges go off. Uh, So, yeah, no, we'll see some of that because they have plenty of those in Russia left or left over from, you know, the Afghan war. And I mean, we're talking like 40 year old pieces of artillery that they have that they will absolutely yeah, I mean, employ I, I think again. Pe- people should not underestimate the desperation that that man is under, um, the command that he has over a force. While it might not be the military force that people assumed he had, because clearly it's not, um, it's the, the desperation that he's in to keep that power is far greater than what he has to lose, just far greater. Yeah. So if anybody assumes that 
Putin's going to go down, you know, just not succeeding at something, um, it's not going to happen. No, but I was just saying, uh, like in Kiev and all that, they just haven't been able to break through their defenses, and they mm -hmm. were even able to launch some counterattacks against the Russians, which was pretty impressive. So they clearly like know their country pretty well, which is no, hundred percent. And then, and like, also, the fact that we keep supplying them with like modern weaponry is like really making a difference. What I, what I like about it is Russia, who has permafrost right in their country decided they were going to launch this attack during the big thaw that the Ukraine goes through every year. And it essentially turns into a mud pit for like three to five months until the middle of the summer, that whole country is just mud and everybody knows it. You know who and really knows it or knew it? No. Hitler, because he did the exact same fucking thing. Yeah. Like a bunch of dumbasses learned Dick. Uh, yes, I mean, the reason Stalin defeated Hitler was because he got stuck. <laughs> Both in snow, and then when he finally got done with the snow, it was just mud. Yeah. Well, so, he apparently, he had a, he was going, he was like within, I don't know how close to Moscow, and then told all the troops to just hold, and yep. that ended up sinking him. But they even say, the, like, taking Moscow doesn't necessarily mean that you've, like, defeated Russia, so. No, it doesn't. No. The country's too big. Yeah. You guys, what do you guys think that we could do differently in our policy toward like Israel and how they treat the Palestinians, you know, in their own territory? If we're going to be like yeah. making changes, you know, as like how we view these conflicts and things. Yeah, I think it's difficult to say. I mean, I, I for 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 the average human being, if you don't see Israel as being an occupant, um of a territory not not necessarily the territory that okay so what's difficult about uh, difficult about israel is after world war ii we put them there we put them there <laughs> and um it's not but i mean we to us, it, it is against the international law to like drive people from their homes and it is territory and like in their they actively do that in this like you know, colonizer, settler sort of fashion where they like send, they tell people like, you know, in, in the Israeli legal framework, like you own that property now if you can get the squatters off of there, you know? Yeah. And so then I mean, they, they almost like do this, uh, no, no, like through their citizenry of like, Israel their, is practicing a very perfect form of apartheid. Um, the problem that you have with Israel is not that people don't agree with that statement. It's that the consequences of that statement, plus what the world promised or the Western world promised the Jews after Nazism, um, it ends up being kind of contradictory. So the solution there has always been a two-party state, but you're, you're dealing with so much historical malice from both sides it's not just the one side even though recently the one side has been much more aggressive um which is i mean honestly it's because they have the modern weapons right like when this thing started out it was much more kind of toe-to-toe -to -toe, and now it's become america providing them with the fucking iron dome and all this shit and palestine has nothing um so as we move forward 
what's the solution? The solution is a two-party state. The solution is for sure um, not occupying the West Bank. It is uh, giving Palestinians kind of freedom to roam. It's all that stuff. It's the same solution as apartheid. But is anybody willing to take that stance and push Israel towards it? That's tough to say. I mean, it's the Orthodox Jews yeah, have Israel so much power. Palestinians like to engage in any sort of uh, political process. They're not even allowed to engage in. It's not like all Arabs are the same or all Palestinians no. exactly the same. No, I mean, I agree. It's it's not even as though they're even allowed to engage in normal market economics. Like, they're not even able to take their goods to go sell them in another country. They have no port access. All that shit goes through Israeli-controlled ports. It goes through Israeli-controlled thoroughfares. Like, they're blocked in, and that's not fair. So yeah. what's the solution in the end? The solution is clear. Is anybody going to be able to force Israel to adhere to that solution? I, d I don't know. I honestly, I don't think so. I think delegitimizing a country on the world stage is quite effective, and we're very much yes. good in a in rapid order. So I don't like understand. You know, like we we just basically artificially legitimize Israel and anything that they do, which I'm not like yes. anti-Israel. I just don't think that. I think I feel like we're so touchy with the Israeli nation because it is also a Jewish nation, and they have been so historically shit upon. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, in the end, you're you're speaking the same tune that a lot of people speak. The problem is not the the truth; it's how you deal with that truth. And politically, that truth has consequences. And it is more complex than we are, we're able to deal with at the moment, unfortunately. Like, you're dealing with a country that we established, right? And a people that no one really thought would stick around. Because the Palestinians weren't united. They were a bunch of tribes that lived in an area, and we were just like, okay, Israel, this is you. Um, Palestine and, has been an entity for thousands of years. No, cor correct. But they, they were. They, times. they were I think always. Jesus a, was a Palestinian. Correct. But they were always a conglomeration of tribes. It wasn't like a. Um, it's, it's, it's no different than the Native Americans, right? Like the Native Americans in this country. You have the Sioux, you have the Cherokee. It's no different than that. Like, but why have, why do we look down upon a conglomerate? We don't. We, do, we don't. We don't. But back in the fifties and the forties, they did. And I don't now we're mad. I'm not like no, no, no. I no, no, no. I understand. I'm just trying to clarify. Like, this isn't my statement. I'm trying to clarify. Like, yeah, the complexity I, here. I, and yeah. and the complexity is that back then, that's how they saw it. It empowered certain individuals to keep seeing it that way and keep talking about it that way. And now we're talking about Palestine as like the single entity who, you know, all of them are terrorists and they all are attacking Israel and whatnot. And it's comfortable. It's comfortable. It makes the world feel, you know, entitled to their opinion and that, you know, we can have these stupid ministries from the fucking San Antonio area travel over to 
Israel and force people to put the fucking embassy in Jerusalem and, you know, do all this bullshit. When in fact, Palestine has probably more of a right to exist in that area than Israel does. Um, because I Israel mean, just didn't such a contentious space, you know, like that's literally where the Crusades were launched into. And they would like take that, you know, take Jerusalem and then they would get driven out again by, you know, some other like the yeah, Persian, the Babylonian Empire like, and shit. Yeah. So like it is just like a very interesting. No, it's always been contentious. That. I'm not saying it's an easy solution, but I do think like we can do better than we uh, can do better by holding people accountable who can make obvious it's a distinct region that needs to be governed. And there yeah. are people who right now have no representation in their own land. So I feel like those two things can reconcile into something that looks like not necessarily exclusively a Jewish state, but like a state there, which rep, which represents the broad, you know, ethnic spectrum that you find in that area. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, your, your opposition in that statement is not going to come from our generation. It's going to come from the boomers who will always tell you, which is something that is true. And it's unfortunate that it is true is Yasser Arafat had a chance to create a dual party state. And he walked away from the table, uh, when it came to negotiating territory. Um, and this was done at Camp David. Bill Clinton was leading it. Al Gore was like the chief negotiator. And they almost had a solution in place. And Yasser Arafat, who was part of the Muslim Brotherhood, decided it wasn't worth his time and literally walked away from the meeting and made a big show of it. Um, what were the, I mean, I, I don't know what the boundaries looked like. No, I'm not sure what the boundaries were either, but it was they were literally at the beginning of the negotiations. And he, oh. he left. Um, so it's not that it hasn't been attempted. It almost got done. It should be attempted again, but you've got to be prepared for that response because the boomers have that response in their back pocket as like a validity that the Palestinians don't seek any sort of peace. And that's been the case for the past like 15 years that they've been stating that shit, not 15, damn near 20 years now. Um, cause this happened in no more than 20 years. This was 1990 six or five um when this happened so um it is a significant moment they walked away from the negotiating table for literally peace in that region and it was unfortunate because arafat was only in it for the money of yeah let's not lay all of everything in that place at the feet of that yeah no we also have to acknowledge that a lot of right-wing conservative republicans uh who are super religious think that there is some fucking way that by schmoozing up to Israelis that they will somehow be able to claim a piece of the Holy land that they're. Oh, no, no, no. It's even more cynical than that. It's the fact that when Armageddon happens tomorrow and you supported Israel because Jews don't support the new Testament, Jews are not in fact the chosen people. Yeah. The yeah. followers of Jesus are the chosen people, and they will also be, in- you know, hell and brimstone into the fucking middle of the earth. And the evangelicals will take over the promised land of milk and honey and all that shit. It's even more cynical than just like, oh, I, we're going to find a path. It's like, no, the Jews die. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was know, simplifying it uh, yeah. to the to the way, like whitewashing it into the way that uh, um, Christian American Christians 
use it now. And which is yeah. what's wild to me to hear uh, political preachings coming from the pulpit uh, and from so many places in this country that oh, yeah, no, do go, not go give a gateway a f- church in San Antonio. They don't you'll be able to take flying, a trip they don't, to Israel. Sorry. They don't give a flying shit about anybody who does not look like them unless it involves the Holy Land, in which case um, all props be to Jesus and um, let's protect Sometimes. the people. Yeah, as long, yeah, let's protect let's protect the people only when it comes to my um, my promised heaven. Because I, Brian, on the t- on the times that it's not strictly Jesus, he's carrying um, you. That's why there's only one well, set of yes, footprints. correct. And and in that case, you should all know we all sin. Well, we we are born into sin. We are born in born in sin. Yeah, basically, so it's, it's we're like, basically like Bane in that one Batman movie. Exactly. We're born into the darkness, Batman, and then exactly. he climbs out and it turns out that he because that bitch Eve ate the fucking apple. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's we should true. all I mean, hey. make sure we should all make sure that the women in our lives know they're welcome. <laughs> For coming from our rib, which is no, actually wild. Because Adam was so fucking lazy to go get the thing in the first place. Well, the only the only lesson the women need to learn is always have your man bite into the apple first. Yeah, otherwise you'll bleed from the vagina once a month forever because that's that's the equation. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And then I'm the sure man. Some, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some Mennonites out there go. If you eat apples, you'll never have your period. Yeah. Fucking guaranteed. Some religion out there is You know, just some like, say that that is the origin of the apple a day will keep the doctor away because the doctor would come up and, you know, the way they would treat a woman on her period, they'd just be like, cheer up, bitch, and they would hit her. And then they were like, an apple a day keeps period slash the doctor backhanding you away. So That's true. Yeah, I bet that's actually the true origin of that statement. And that's how Jezekiah, the original Mennonite minister in Pennsylvania, uh, rode his horse to the promised land. Uh, at, at a minimum, I'd say that's the start of the his end. story. I've taken a bow. I've taken a bow. And that's yeah. the end of the story. Uh, yeah. real I just cool. want to tell our listeners, fuck you if you think I'm anti-Israeli in any form or fashion. That was not the point of this conversation. At I'll all. tell our no, listeners to go hey, fuck listen, themselves not, for way less. You know, I, Hey, I, listeners, I, go fuck yourself. I can happily state that I am absolutely anti-Israeli political policy. In this uh, whether whether or not the, the the Israeli country as it is today exists, it's not my business. It's up to their people. But I can tell you right now that I don't agree with any of their foreign policy. And if that makes me anti-Semite, then fuck it. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> go ahead. I was going to bring up Willem to your if original. You want, if you want to be, no, sorry, go ahead. You no, you country, go ahead. If you want to be a country, play on the big boy stage. We get to criticize countries, not religions. I'm not criticizing the fact that you believe in God and not Jesus. That's separate. So if you don't want to play on that stage, then fuck you. Yeah. Right on. You know what? I'll save what I was going to say for later because I want to say this. This is the longest fucking two minutes of my life, Frank. That was the longest two minutes of my life. It was two minutes and then we had a discussion afterward, Brian. It's true. You can try to spin it all you want. He, this motherfucker said two minutes. Anyway, two minutes that turned into stuff. You, uh, y'all brought up uh, how do you handle stuff like this happening in the future, or you know, uh, Mm -hmm. how do we handle these things? Y'all, y'all took a deep dive into Palestine and Israel. I was going to take a more uh, solid approach. 
um, that was not so political. That was a little more cut and dry. Um, but the way that Uyghurs are treated in uh, China and like that being an actual ethnic cleansing or attempted ethnic cleansing and genocide uh, that has been happening in China and Turkey and uh, Kazakhstan for years. Um, and that the Chinese Muslim communities just being either, you know, uh, cut off from the rest of societies or actively harmed and up to and including killed just simply because of who they were born as. Uh, Which, I mean, similar to the Israel-Palestine situation, uh, except it's a little more, it's easier to identify because we did not all agree as Western countries to say that this group of people can go live here. These motherfuckers were born here, have been living here for centuries, and are just now... Yeah, and just now being run out of their land and out of their being. Uh, which, you're saying millions genocided so far. Yeah. 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 It's, sure, it's, it's again, like as we weren't paying attention, you know, like mm-hmm. now we're going to find some terrible things out about what's been going on in our little world while we were like staring at our fucking phones the whole time. Well, it's, well, it's so, so, for any change to sorry, take place, yeah. it's got to be, un- it's going to be uncomfortable. Like we yeah. as a society have to acknowledge that in order for, uh, change to happen you know the the correct change to happen that you have to have these uncomfortable conversations you have to have these uncomfortable decisions that are made uh, to, and that un- be okay with expect accepting responsibility and, like, and that responsibility well, so hold, hold on wait one second wait one second i want to back off from that statement because that's what i was just about to say um we don't have personal responsibility for the happenings in the world we 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 have a responsibility to know what's happening no, and but it's not when, when, hold on, wait, wait, wait one second. Collective responsibility. What, I said, when, yes. When we find out what's happening, then our actions matter, right? Like, if you didn't know that some dude somewhere across this country is launching a fucking mm-hmm. attack um, on, you know, I don't know, Muslims in fucking New York, but we find out at 12 a.m. tonight that that's happening, then we all have a responsibility. And I think... When it comes to the Uyghurs and when it comes to Ukraine and all this stuff, it's it is a moral obligation for this country to respond and the Western world, um, no matter what your fucking gas price is, to respond on a very serious level. And and it, our current situation is just kind of a thing because we have been actively coddling dictators for a significant time and it it it, it's the problem of our decade of uh, kind of of our decade of our um of our time is we are dealing with the blowback for coddling dictators um sorry go ahead yeah you lowered my hand. I lowered your Don't hand. Don't lower my hand. For lo- Wait, you were, you, he, he handed you the mic, so I lowered your hand. Uh, no, I'm just fucking with you. I didn't know what it was. Uh, so I just mean more of – I don't mean personal responsibility because God knows you can't take on all the problems of the world personally and still take a breath, frankly. Frankly. But uh, I mean more of collective responsibility, and you can, like, talk about collective responsibility in, you know, several different levels. So, like – collective responsibility in Tulsa in 1921 for what happened there has still not been taken. Uh, collective responsibility as a nation, maybe for like the 
internment of the Japanese, the genocide of the Native Americans. Yeah. We haven't really acknowledged or, you know. Or no, we're just getting rid of the books. Africans, all of that. And then you could go further, you know, in modern day and say, like, the conditions created in this world that have allowed, you know, like, millions of people to be slaughtered sort of under the radar without um, any sort of, like, attention. Like, we're, we're such a... We're such a like headline to headline sort of uh, society these days, like globally. Yeah. And that's a problem. And when that becomes the case, then these kind of things are allowed to happen. Like you, you know, like one yep. day you're feeling like, oh my God, like three million people are have been killed. They think in China, they're not sure they're investigating, da, da, da. Two days later, no one's even talking about it anymore. That's not yep. okay. You know, like... So there is a, a sense of like collective responsibility as far as that goes. No, there is. I, th I think, unfortunately, this, okay, so when you, when you look back on World War II, right, and everybody's like, well, why was Hitler allowed to do this? And you're kind of dealing with global apathy, right? And, and what's happening with Ukraine, only because it mirrors World War II in such a fashion that someone actually invaded a foreign country. It feels as though that struck a chord. But the local genocide, Xi Jinping is not dumb, right? He's sitting there, he's like, these are my people. Who's going to invade China? They know the military might that I have. Um, they also know the economic might that I have. The problem is the fact that he ever gained that amount of power without actually transferring power to his people. And that's been the West's problem for the past 30 some odd years since the Berlin Wall fell and since we let China into the WTO and all that shit. We've been accepting of these like kind of empirical sins, but sins to an extent, right? Like we're like, okay, that might be different than we do it. Or that's not quite how Western democracies work, but we're okay with it. <laughs> And we've been we've been pretending as though this stuff doesn't matter. And long term, not only does this stuff matter, it it becomes absolutely integral to world order. And we've kind of just pretended as though we can kind of skirt by the rules here because this person in Russia and this individual in China don't have control over damn near two billion people. Right? And it's unfortunate because if Putin, no matter what those people say in the streets and how they fucking react, if Putin drafts individuals tomorrow and they don't show up, they go to slaughter. Um, same in China. So would you rather just go pretend to fight a war somewhere and be safe or and kind of take your odds or stand up against the might of the Russian government? And that's what we deal with because we've entertained these people for so long and we've pretended as though they're acceptable in Western, you know, economics and democracy. And it's, it's a cardinal sin that, that we will have to pay for at some point. And this is only wow. the beginning. It's not something that's going away anytime soon. Did you see they drafted like 40,000, they, they put a call out for hardened uh, Syrian fighters and they got 40,000 people sign up. Uh, to fight on Russia's side. 
on the Russian side. We're going to go over to Ukraine, yeah. I'm sure they did that completely voluntarily. They just Mm -hmm. felt the call. That that kind of thing annoys me because it's like, we won't, like, give jets to Ukraine. And this guy, I mean, that is just, like, a blatant that that move of aggression. You know, like, he can't just, like, he's just going and taking people from one theater that he fucked around in. And moving them over here, and we're like, ah, we don't know if we can get you planes to like defend it. We're not sure if that'll be kosher with him, basically. I mean, but <laughs> but so piss scared of him. No, well, for for decent reasons. I mean, if he were to launch a nuclear weapon, that's kind of like the end of humanity. No, that's so, not true. We have missile defense measures. That's if his missiles even fucking work. And we also true. have the same goddamn capability. So it would be like shooting yourself in a way. There's no doubt about several reasons why he wouldn't just like up and launch a nuclear missile, but there are several reasons why he would. So, I mean, I guess you you have to you have to be conscious of it. And and quite frankly, um, America is still dealing to an extent with the fact that we're the only people who have ever used a nuclear weapon against humans. Yeah. So, um, there unless unless instigated, there's no reason for us to you know annihilate him and his populace. But right. With that being said. Um, Ukraine also has many, many, many ex-U.S. Marines fighting for them at the moment, um, up to the, like, commander level of infantry. Right, but um, I mean, who, recruiting foreign fighters for a defensive strategy is far different to me than, like, No, no, I, I understand, but I'm saying that's, okay, but if, it, country up. if you're Putin, you're going to say, well, they're bringing in Marines, I'm going to bring in my hardened fighters, right? Like, this is war. This isn't like child's games. Yeah, they're hardened fighters. Invested... Unfortunately, their hardened fighters are already there, and they're stuck like thirty miles from the Russian border because no they no don't but, have but, the infrastructure but, to support a goddamn advance. Nice. Just but like, just like they did in Crimea, just like they did in yeah. Chechnya. Like they fucking, there. This is not the first rodeo for the Russian people to no. realize that they don't have the logistics to support Putin's crazy ass ideas. But, but, but what he's doing in his mind makes sense. And quite frankly, it does make sense. If you're in that situation that he's fighting it, and I'm not, I'm not again, just like with Israel, when I'm criticizing them, I'm not saying, you know, I'm pro Russia here. I'm just saying what he's doing is what he has to do now. Yeah. Because he set it in motion. (laughs) Exactly. But our response. Oh, nice. Slaint. Um, our response. Hold up. What did you just say? Isn't it slaint? It's slantia. Slantia okay. is the whiskey. Oh, okay. Sorry. And I get. Slantia. I would bet that it's if it's Irish whiskey, it's slantia. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is. It. I went there. I. It was is so slant. wanting it to be slantia. It's not. It's slantia. Okay. Well. Okay. Slantia. So, on. I wanted to call it slant. Sorry. But it, it, holistically, right? Like, it, it is war, and we have to be. We have to be kind of cognizant of both sides' positions here. Even even though one side is clearly wrong, um, he is going to justify that move to his people by saying they're bringing in Marines who are volunteering. I'm bringing in my version of the Marines, right? Okay, good luck. Um, it's it's not it's not equivocal a in battlefield knowledge and planning and all that shit. It's not. You're fighting a war that was fought like in the 70s, um, and we're fighting a war where. They have UAVs literally taking out your tanks without you ever knowing that it's going to happen. Like, did you see the tank that got taken out in Mirapol 
the dude literally tried to back up to think he was somehow not going to get hit by the same bombs. He thought the bombs were just in like a fucking line. Mm-hmm. And they shot ahead of him and they shot behind him and he backed up and then they shot behind him, ahead of him, behind him, ahead of him and fucking nailed him. Um, so they're, they're so ill-equipped to fight this battle um, that, yeah, quite frankly, they, they might be taken out tomorrow um, and sign a cease, you know, ceasefire and all that shit. But I wouldn't bet on it. Putin's not a person who has ever backed down. So if he doesn't back down, what's the solution? Just a shit ton more bloodshed um, for no reason. He will never own Ukraine. He will never be allowed back into the world stage. And if, if Russia gets allowed back into the world stage in our lifetimes without significant changes to their governing structure, uh, it would be an absolute insult um, yeah, to agree. world order. That part I agree with, uh, like wholeheartedly. And not like I disagree with your other shit. Um, but that's one thing that I do know is that you don't come back from something like this and just be like, Hey guys, oh, I was happened, wild. Yeah. That was a wild that I fucking, I dropped my controller and the batteries came out and it went on auto. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> exactly. happened. I'm so you sorry. Know, in the, in the, in the good old days of, uh, world war two, when there was, yeah, Jim Crow uh, laws and stuff, there were the internal resistance mm. would organize or organized and like was mm. instrumental in kind of you know, fighting the fight from within against the Nazis and so forth. So hopefully yeah. that's going on. I, ju- I just want to bring yeah. this up. I, uh, so Mrs. Brian brought this, uh, brought that same idea up and I had to explain to her like the ideas that we see in movies and stories told after the fact are all romanticized versions of the reality that they face. Hitler yeah. was not brought down from within. He wasn't. He shot himself. Yeah, sure. I guess if that's taking him down from within. We were five miles away from his bunker. Exactly. No, but it was important. It's not that he was brought down. I know. I know. I just want to. Go ahead. You're you're correct. It is an important like cog in the giant wheel of war is the like the uh, reverberation of truth and fact against propaganda. Sabotaging of the nuclear weapons that he would fire, you know, stuff like that. That shit. Yes, it is important. However, it is also a really romanticized idea of what can happen because you're asking people to put their absolute, like their lives and the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people surrounding them for sabotaging a nuclear weapon. You're correct, though. I'm just, you know, I'm not, okay, we do have romanticized notions of it. Yeah. But it also did happen in a very real and substantial way where networks formed. I'm not, outside governments helped, you know, like mm -hmm. these people move around. And Uh, and I'm not saying that that we're not also experiencing a very romanticized story of leadership in the way that the Ukrainian president is behaving. Because I, I would. Would, would you ever think of a president in the last 30 years, a U.S. president, if we were like enduring a foreign invasion from fucking Canada, would you see would you see any of the either of the bushes like fucking grabbing javelin rockets and going out and fighting in the streets? The fuck out of here. They went to Yale. There's no fucking way they're fighting at the front lines. No, it's not happening. You think Donald Trump and his bone spurs are getting out there and fucking fighting? No, absolutely not happening. Do I think Biden is going out there and fucking hucking rocks at tanks as they roll through DZ? No, absolutely not. So I, while, while I said what I said about the romanticized versions of the history that we look back on, we're living some as well. And it is important to acknowledge that because yeah. 
it's fucking dope, man. Like to, that is that's leadership that you can yeah. like that goes against the uh, the tradition of what we've set in the last hell even fifty years of of uh, you know uh, countries leaders. I'm, right. I'm pissed that Frank yeah. left. Um, he said some things that were triggering to me. Um, well, we can get back to those. I was, the resistance thing. I all I was. Where is this sound coming from? I was getting an echo. No, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Um, all I was getting at is like, uh, he was asking about like, what, what do you do about a guy like Putin? You know, like mm-hmm. after all, I mean, obviously there are mechanisms and things in place in the international community that's been through lessons learned and whatever. And then a guy like Putin is just going to do whatever like he's going to look at what's laid there and try to, see how he can sneak around as many of those as possible and oh, for you know, sure. get as far as he can, as quickly as he can or whatever. And this first step has already kind of like blown up in his face. Mm-hmm. Now in Ukraine, if, if he does get to a point where he's like controlling the people through some, you know, even just through literal military force, because they, their resistance was just unable to hold up. Um, there's already talk of insurgency forming and the CIA supporting that and supplying those networks and like, you know, helping that continue like that fight from within. And it would be my hope that in Russia, the same kind of things are taking place. And in a country like ours, I don't see the United States, frankly, ever getting, you know, it would have to be this like from within takeover they did recent. They are trying it. Frankly, I don't know how, how it seems to be blowing up in their face. Hopefully, um, but if like we got to a point where like we're under a fascist rule, where like you know your rights are sort of like suspended and whatever, it's for the betterment of the, the, of the country, right? You would hope that your neighbors are fighting the good fight and fighting in in whatever sort of way they can. And actually, this this movie Jojo Rabbit, if you guys have never seen it, yeah, it's great kind of it's a really good movie and it kind of like really drives that point home and his mother even literally says like you do what you can you know like day to day um and that that might be big or small like everyone's contribution is different but the point right now it's patriotic or like in peacetime it's patriotic to support your government and support your country because you agree with the direction now when your government gets hijacked by a guy like vladimir putin it is your patriotic duty to do what you can to grind the gears and like log up and rust and jam and just fuck up generally all of their plans as much as they, as you can. Without, without being taken to account while also trying to yes, survive. Cause the longer you survive, the more you can kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important also to note that like, if you don't think, high levels of this government mi6 aren't talking about some sort of an assassination plot you're kidding yourself um there there is a plan that they are either constructing or waiting to execute upon to cut the head off the russian government um this isn't something that hasn't been Thought about multiple times. Frank, you're going to lose our CIA clearance by saying this on open podcast airwaves. Well, sure. I God mean, damn it. But it, it, you would have to be kind of like, you know, an idiot to think that this isn't something that they Dude, thought Dude, my about. CIA paycheck better cash this week, okay? <laughs> no. 
Now, with that being said, with that being said, right, if you're Vladimir Putin, how shit scared are you that someone in your government is leaking your battle plans? Because that is something that I don't think gets enough attention. The U.S. has, to a T, told the world what Putin's doing. And it's not just through satellite imagery. It has been through... So we used to have someone who sat on his security council that we had to evacuate to the U.S., right? He was an informant. We have incredible amounts of informants in that government at a very high level. Um, And let it be known, if, if Trump was here and, you know, ruling over this government, we would be blind. We wouldn't know what's going on because he would make sure of it. Or we would, and he would just act like that wasn't the case. Like it wasn't a big deal. Administration, and you're just fucking crazy, and I, that would drive me up the wall. Until he, until he fucked up. Gaslit right now. Until he I fucked feel like up I at still a. Still am sometimes, but not to that degree. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying, bro? I was gonna say until Trump fucked up at a press conference, and he you know starts speaking off the cuff and just riffs through <laughs> exactly what Putin's plans are. He's like, "What I talked to him earlier today," and then it just like rolls through everything. Everybody's well, like, "Wait, was, what was that?" Uh, nothing. He was the dude. He was the dude that actually outed this informant that they had to evacuate. So the CIA, right, is a, is a it's a separate operative organization. Like it, it is part of the Pentagon, but it has its own leadership. And he, I guess, didn't install anybody yet. I can't exactly remember what happened, but he outed a very secret, you know, communication between Putin and his operatives that could only have happened in a national security briefing. And he just went on fucking Fox news and said, you know, Putin said this today and they were like, Oh shit, we need to get this guy out of there. And legitimately that's how the guy evacuated. Like he, he got out in the middle of the night, um, straight up. They called him, went to the U S embassy and he got the fuck out of there. Cause Donald Trump's an idiot. Well known, and he's a Russian agent. So, can, can I, I? I just want to bring this up, and it's a definite shift from what we've been talking about. Mm. Okay, you brought up the New World Order, and I just I cannot let it go. We lost a good one this week, everybody. The real ones know. That is the NWO entrance music from WCW. Oh, that's true. We lost Scott Hall this week, everybody. That's true. Scotty Too Hotty. Razor Ramon. Scotty Too Hotty. Uh, a crime and sports alum. He has been lost this week. Um, Can gone, I tell you a Gone story too late, Scotty honestly. Too he's, he's really... He's been a menace to a lot of professional wrestling societies for far too long, making his wrestling debut in 1984. Scott Hall dead March 14th, 2022. Rest in piss, Scott Hall. Rest in piss. Let me just tell you one thing about Scotty Too Hotty. Okay. When he joined up with uh, who the hell was the guy's name in WWE when they were they did the ladder? Uh, X-Pac? No. Oh. God damn it. I forgot the guy's name. But that he had a duo in WWE, and their bit was a dual ladder jump onto a person's body. And 
that shit took far too long to set up. A, B, was way too fake. Um, but that's that's what I remember Scotty Too Hotty for always. His fucking him and Matt Hardy. No, the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys and Scotty Too Hotty were like a fucking faction in WWE. Mm. That's what happened. That's what happened. Mm. Yeah. God, man, those memories. That's fucking well. Rest in peace. Whatever. You know, rest, rest hopefully you make better decisions in the, you know, the afterlife. There's probably no afterlife, gotta be honest with you. But uh, the at least not for him. Uh, yeah, well, no, I saw a lot of people right saw a lot of people uh, just shedding a tear for old Scott Hall this week, and I wondered if anybody knew the true extent of the mania that that man brought <laughs> to not only wrestling but to real life outside of wrestling. So no, I honestly I haven't even heard his crime in sports, but I, I'd imagine. Back then, wrestling just didn't pay enough, and those people, their heads were so inflated. There weren't very many John Cena's. <laughs> the no. Rock got out of it pretty well. Um, the yeah. rest of them were all fucking crazy. I mean, he was able to cover up that Brahma bull tattoo on his arm, so that helped. But you he know, did. he did. God damn it. R.I.P. That the Brahma Rock. bull. You know they've got a fucking documentary on his life now on CNN. No, on sorry, C- NBC. It fucking blows my mind that we have a documentary on someone who's continuing to do shit. It's called The Young Rock. <laughs> oh, no, that's not a documentary. It's a fucking, like, sitcom, dude. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I thought it was like a a, like a, a a docu-series about his young... I'm sure it's what it wants to be, but it's a fucking sitcom. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, Crime and Sports, episode 145, More Than Zero Tolerance, The bad a- the Badness of Scott Hall, a.k.a. Reza Ramon. Go check that out. It's fucking wild. Wild. Anyway. Uh, well, I'll see. I haven't seen Young Rock yet, but I'll have to take a look. I don't yeah, think the a, Young Rock... a sitcom. I don't think the Young Rock is going to have the same description as this Crime and Sports episode, which includes... Uh, <laughs> Big money, fame, and tons of alcohol, drugs, and pills to support that lifestyle, not to mention violence, car wrecks, drunken insanity, and even a homicide. This is a winding road with nothing but dark exits. And that's the yeah. that's great, great-ass description for crime and sports. Shit. All right. Yeah, well, you know, Scotty Too Hotty. I, I do remember him. I didn't know that his real name was Scott Hall, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. That's I'm learning tonight. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. I, I as you're saying it, I was like, uh, is that Scotty too hotty? You know what? Too hotty. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Scotty too hotty is not the same person. <laughs> <laughs> we just killed someone who's still alive. Disaster. God damn it, y'all. I was say Scotty too hotty. I've only ever had good memories about, but all right. If he was fucking. I hate his fucking name. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Oh, you want to hate it even more, (laughs) Villem? You want to hate it even more? It's Scotty the number two hottie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. You remember Scotty too, hottie. (laughs) Dude. I I remember. Don't don't even pretend we weren't sitting at at 2926 Creek Lane in our parents' bedroom. You're not saying address. What the fuck? Those people who live there now are assholes. Villem and I used to get on top of our parents' bed and. Turn on WWE. Hey, is this X rated? No, WWE okay, Monday sure. Night Raw. Raw is in war. Com- in, in commercial breaks, we'd wrestle on the bed, and then my parents would come up and we'd be like, "Oh, we weren't wrestling." 
Jesus Christ. Uh, this guy, born 1973, very much still alive. Just signed as a WWE trainer at the Performance Center. My mom, what? What my mom would... Sorry. What? No, I'm what saying my mom... Fuck. Go ahead, Jesus Frank. fucking Christ. <laughs> my mom would come into the bedroom <laughs> and she'd go, are you busy watching that garbage again? <laughs> yes. Yes, mother, we are. And then when SmackDown happened, we had to be real sneaky about it. Oh, Thursday nights? That was Thursday nights. Yeah. yeah my mom wouldn't let us watch two nights of wrestling in a week. Well, you already got two hours with Raw's War and then Warzone right well, after. The problem it. with the problem with Raw's War is it never ended at ten. It was always a ten ten ending. Oh yeah, and you know those last ten minutes were crucial. Villem, are you in your underwear? He is. Yeah. God and damn he's it! Picking up his dog now. This is a lot. I know. Okay. I just saw. I saw Uranus. It's yeah, funny because think... he's got constellations on his underpants. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like Uranus. Maybe we limit that to only, only fans. Oh, that's not. That's we didn't want that. By the only, way, Frank. Onlyfarmers.com. Frank, I didn't I, say it. You said it. For, speaking of Uranuses, uh, Frank, I uh, went through went through those pictures that we took when I visited y'all down in Austin. <laughs> hold, uh, yes. hold. Uh, every picture that I took of Leo running in your backyard. Just Leo's butthole in every one of those fucking photos. <laughs> it is just a perked up brown eye in every one of those goddamn photos. Can you get your dog to cover up his asshole every once in a while? No. God damn it, man. He's a he's a pointed runner. It is. It, uh, or get him to. I, I would say relax, but that's not going to help. You know, that's going to cause a whole different set of problems. <laughs> it's just a fucking perfect brown eye. It was just like run. And it's he runs with his tail up. It's a whole thing, man. I had to delete so many photos. <coughs> I mean, that's how he's fast. Is it? Is what it is. Anyway, perk the tail. Oh my god. So uh, I've been watching Righteous Gemstones. Have you guys seen that one? You're welcome. That fucking show rules. Uh, what? Where are you oh, at? Did you direct that? Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> my name is. Uh, Oh fuck! What the hell is his name? Not Danny yeah, McBride, the other guy. So well. I do, you know, my 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 nom de plume uh, escapes <laughs> me from time to time. Where where is that HBO? Uh, broadcast? HBO. How is no, I don't have HBO. Not a director though. Yeah. I'll wait for that okay. to come to broadcast TV. Oh yeah, I'll let you know when it comes to PBS, Righteous Gemstones. Cable uh, Max, you gotta get it with your AT and T unlimited subscription, Frank. Yeah, or your unlimited uh, cell phone plan. They're just giving yeah, this shit away. Or your sister. Or your sister, <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah, they don't That's really where share I get stuff. <laughs> So, are y'all um, are y'all on? Have y'all uh, caught up to end of season two yet? Now we're we've we're been trying to savor them a little bit. Okay, well, enjoy. Y'all are in for a fucking ride. Hell yeah. Uh. I really like that show. It was one of those that at the end of season one, I was really hoping that they would pick it up for season two. And it like COVID took so long for them to renew contracts and actually film. Yeah. Oh, well worth it though. Well worth it. What about, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is another HBO one, but our flag means death. I caught up this weekend. Fucking fantastic. Name just caught up this weekend. Yeah. Very nice. Taika. What is it? YTD. Yeah, yeah. Which I oh, did not actually. know that he would be like involved with such a fucking it, wacky ass show. Say what? His name is Year to Date. No, Taika Waititi. It's uh, Maori. Maori. 
Oh, why a TD? Yeah. I thought you said why TD. <laughs> well, my like, God. Okay. <laughs> I can totally Dude, see dude's it. got Tycho every once in a while. <laughs> Not here today. He has yeah. the same writer as Jojo Rabbit. Oh, okay. Oh, right. He was Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Uh, and he wrote it? Like, produced or something. Something. It was his movie. Oh. Yeah, he's uh, he's really talented. Modern day Hitler. Uh, okay. That show um, is fucking great, though. I'll have to take a look. Yeah, I, I've got a way to stream it. It's not sanitary, but I'll do it. Real quick, that um, is not who I thought that person was. I take back my previous comment about him being involved in something so funny. Not who I thought it was. I'm going to shut Brian, my fucking mouth. Brian, you've been off all night. Oh, have I? Okay, all right. Who brought you the fucking death of Scott Hall? This guy. I'm the goddamn Grim Reaper of WWE athletes, including yeah. ones who are still alive, so yeah, fuck mean, off. It might be the kiss of death, to be frank. Yeah. He's, <laughs> that he's much- Blackbeard. We need to have a segment called To Be Frank, and that's actually better than Grinds My Gears. Yeah, I think is. we need to call the Grinds My Gears section To Be to Frank. Be frank. Oh, just, the grinds, <laughs> grinds My Gears sound bits are collecting dust. No, what it is, it needs to be It needs to be a segment called To Be Frank, and then it's just where people make wildly incorrect assumptions on how long something will take. That's all it is. That's true. You're yeah. like, oh, you got to drive. You not accurate about that. You've got to drive to Walmart in uh, Crossroads, Texas. How long will that take? I don't know. Minute, minute and a half. Five, ten right. minutes. Cool. Ten minutes with traffic. Ten minutes with traffic. I'll be back by four thirty. Sir, it is four ten right now. There's no way in God's green earth you're getting in and out of there. Listen, anyway. the taco run this weekend was not on me. I'm not even talking about the taco run, Frank. I'm talking about the we'll be back by 5.30. Frank, it is 3.50, and we have to go into Austin, visit three breweries, and come back? Sir, not going to happen. This is not going to happen. But we did go to St. Elmo. We did. We did. Are we trying to segue? We we can. I got no problem with that. Uh, Oh, yeah. We can can wrap it up here in in just a second. So Brian and I went to St. Elmo, went to a couple other um spot well really only under one other spot in the same area of austin mm-hmm. got some footage that'll be played um at the end of the cast but uh brian overall i know you know you've had a couple of days to digest now and during the experience you quite enjoyed it um for your dallas folks or your tulsa folks what would you compare saint elmo to um i would compare saint elmo to turning point um in okay. fort worth um I'm not going to say celestial because it was not as snooty as celestial. There was not, it was way more approachable. Um, it was along the point, along the lines of turning point. Um, I would consider you it nail the Tulsa one. Well, right. I wouldn't. I, I'm not as familiar with the Tulsa breweries, but I would say Rough Tail in Oklahoma City, um, in the quality of beer and the approachability of their uh, facilities. Like it's pretty dope, man. I really that enjoyed my time. To me, I'm from Tulsa. Do what? I, w- I would say cabin boy is probably pretty. Cabin boys, is yeah. it a like a cabiny sort of? Vibe? No, like and that's really the th- that's like... the thing. No, it it's, is... not, it's not. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. It's not about the vibe. What I'm saying is, is oh. the approachability of the beer. You walk up to the counter. It's a nice. It's the a nice the few things that I've had from cabin boys have not been the standard approachable or the as approachable as what I just listed off. What I listed off is still in that okay. same vein of like new. Well, maybe a more of a dead armadillo. Uh, it's like Nouveau Nouveau Brew is what it is. It's the new trendy beer places. It's not doing. Oh. They're not doing wild shit. 
uh, literally wild ales or like funky offbeat brews. They're not. They're doing new age lagers. They're doing hazy boys. They're doing a few variants, but their mainstay are the hoppy beers that uh, get attention. Good Pilsner's. Marshall does like German beers. Yeah, Marshall does more traditional, traditional beers. Like but those are super approachable, I'm aren't they? You're, that y'all are, th- y'all are, y'all are like I'm. I'm with Katie on this in that <laughs> there is a difference between approachable from beer standpoint and approachable from the average person standpoint. Dead Armadillo's oh. main thing is Tulsa Flag Ale. Yes, yeah, which is, which is like beer. just a middle of the road beer, but yeah. very trendy yeah. and it's found in a lot of places and kind of exemplifies the area, which yeah, Saint Elmo. Cool. I would say San Elmo is kind of the embodiment of South Austin, at least. Uh, maybe not from maybe not from an Austinites point of view, but from a, 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 a visitor's point of view. I think it captures a lot of what uh, Austin is is trending to be, without being so trendy that they're not approachable. American Solera, yeah. looking at you. Um, I guess who? American Solera. Um, you really have it out for I love Matt. Come up and visit. And gotta go to we gotta meeting. go again. Well, yeah, no, and well, that's the thing. I know the brewer now, and he's fucking great. But you know, you gotta work on that behind the counter service, and yeah. you'll um, be. The new, have you been to the new brewery? No, I went once, and it is a whole oh, thing. Girl, it's totally different experience. Uh, uh, come on, girl. Listen, I. We'll talk off here. It was a fucking. So here, it was a once what I'm quickly saying. Brian, follow okay, so. your pride and come check it out again. I'm oh sorry. no, I will. Uh, it's the other thing is it's in Tulsa and uh, it's a long yeah. way from here. Um, Zero so reasons like to come up hours. here. <laughs> hey, listen, y'all couldn't make y'all couldn't figure out how to get across down to Broken Arrow to pick up your wine jug. So uh, uh, it's sitting in the living room. Shots so fired. That's, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah. No, I mean. Any drop shipper would have been fired by this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, thirty six months, yeah, bit extreme. Drop shipper, you dropped it off at a friend's house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually. <laughs> he I, sent it home with Parker, which he, yeah. Parker had to travel with that fucking thing. The, dis- the distance from his house to Villem spot is the same distance as from me to my parents' warehouse. Honestly, so, Parker could have crawled it, it. That close. Parker lives off of a turnpike. Oh. Yeah, sure. Cost prohibitive. I mean, that, you didn't factor that uh, in. And it's oh, okay. an expensive well, turnpike. It's like I would have sent you five bucks if it meant he got it earlier. <laughs> See, here's the deal, Frank. You can't just send five bucks. It's got to be five bucks and quarters because you got to have exact change at most turnpikes in Oklahoma. Well, do they still anyway, do the I baskets did. up there? Let's <laughs> say what? It, I used to skip those things all the time. That's the baskets. I used to throw in tokens, like oh, from like Chuck E. Cheese. Easy and, cost them uh, and get them. <laughs> yeah, statute yeah, of limitations like, okay, on toll well, skipping is actually the same as murder. It's <laughs> East Coast. Sorry. Yeah. When I had, when I have money, I had an easy pass. When I was literally <laughs> trying to estimate the amount of miles it took to get from Stillwater to Tulsa to go to work. And the gas station I had to fill up at so that it would hit my credit card three days later and not two days later. Mm-hmm. Um, that toll pass was a big thing. And yeah, that, I the, mean, whom's among us hasn't money, done the, that. The, the amount of tolls that I skipped in that state, it, like there's a there's a whole strategy to it. If you go off to the side, they they take a picture, but they don't get your full license plate. That was back in the day. I'm guessing now it's probably different, but I've probably skipped a good hundred dollars with the tolls in that fucking. It's probably not. Stillwater toll gate is still a piece of shit. Yeah, (laughs) it has not changed at all. You can cover your eyes and not have to pay. (laughs) No, if if there was someone, if if there was, 
if like you pay and it'll just like not do anything. <laughs> if there's someone ahead of you on those things, tailgate them as close as you can. Sounds that's legal <laughs> advice from No Beer Left Behind. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's worked for me. You know what you should do yeah. is like you know they're going to take a picture of the back plate because it's Oklahoma. So just back through the fucking toll gate and you're fine. <laughs> Fuck them. All right, on that. And then drift it around. And yeah, go. yeah. Throw it, fuck it. Throw that bitch into a J turn and then haul off Vin Diesel style. We're family. Yeah, no, I'm, I was a skull, a toll skipping pirate back in the day. Mm-hmm. You guys need to refresh your Oklahoma. Yeah, Frank's flag I'll means specifically. Frank's flag means cheap. Way too long. That's no, it's true. But I'm saying the toll skipping thing that was a bit that I did for quite some time. Yeah, the yeah, he was the only one who was in on that bit though. It was great. Tolstoy. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, listen. If you take that trip back and forth, it was like fifteen bucks a week. Yeah, but who? Why did you every single day? I thought couldn't you like stay at Parker's at that point or something? No, I I was going to stay there. I was still going to school. Oh, shit! I was doing that. The only class I had was on Wednesdays, hmm. and then Monday through Friday I was still oh, paying. This wasn't rent. the internship. This was work. Yeah. No. It, well, it was the internship. The was fifty cents, and the Hallett is one fifty. These days, it was cheaper then. Yeah. Well, with inflation, that seventy. Also, cents. I mean, you take fifty-one in the daytime. That takes the okay. same amount of time. No, because fifty-one had so many speed traps on it. Oh. Uh, and the little slut would get uh, up and gallop. You can't. You can't. <laughs> I taught in Stillwater, and I had to drive there twice a week. I, I had to let the motor run during the day, and I would take the turnpike back, and it took the same amount of time. Well, see yeah. the the Lesable, uh when you open up the ranch, then ponies got to trot, and you can't mm-hmm. be trusted to stay under sixty on fifty three. Well, I know 51. the stable. I had a parallel parker in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Yeah, did you just run it? Days. Did you just run it into the building? Because I think it would have might have helped some of the quarter panels. <laughs> she just kind of float. Yeah, I just cried a little. Yeah, bit. that thing was so much fun Loaded. to drive. You know what, Mrs. Brian had the audacity to ask me this weekend. What's Frank gonna name his car? And I go, I don't know, but I'm not gonna ask him what to name it. She's like, Why? I was like, Do you know what the name of his car was in college? When I told her, she was appalled. Uh, and then, then I was like, So do you now trust that I? don't really care what he names his new car. It's going to be bad, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, little slut will always remain the worst fucking name for a car ever. We had uh, a friend who had Booby the Subi. At least that rhymes. It yeah. does. Booby the Subi. I, I appreciate that. That, that, that was because it was the LS, dude. It was the Sable LS. Yeah. <laughs> the Le Sable LS. They literally LS, LS. <laughs> Little slut, little slut. So the name's so nice, you had to say it twice, Lincoln. Thanks. Or Mercury. Is it Mercury? It was Mercury. Yeah, come on now. It wasn't like you kidding me. Yeah, dude. It was the off-brand Taurus. It was if you didn't quite <laughs> like the Taurus, but you still wanted it. buy this bitch. Mm-hmm. still wanted that boat-like body. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the bubble body of a Taurus, but wanted the fucking speed of a Mercury? Neither did we. Here's the LeSable LS. Enjoy. Nah, dude, that thing got us through. Quiet or no, she we was don't a fucking care. Fight her. On the options. Quiet <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or not, who gives a shit? Back, though. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have recommended. Do that you want to put the, your life in our hands? Neither do we. Here's the Mercury Le Sable. <laughs> not after the heater failed, and I like the fact that Willem and I like fucking Jerry rigged that heater for quite some time, and then we took it to Parker's brother, 
And he was like, get me a heat pump and I'll replace it. No, no, no. That was that was our uh that was Jay. I'm was not it gonna Jay? say who Jay is, but that was Oh, the... okay. So then we we fixed well yeah, Dusty actually fixed the fixed yeah, the heat pump. Are we allowed to say Dusty on the uh, Yeah, the fuck that guy. He's been on the cast. He's been on here, yeah, yeah. His dad. Yeah. He's been on here five years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Him and his dad helped us fix it and yeah, it worked great after that. It did. That's Learned what a blower one, motor was. One drive so. without a heater. Mm, boy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know how fucked up your car is for the heater to not work? Literally, the heater is there as a fail-safer if your fucking radiator stops working. If your yeah, heater no. stopped working, you have you have reached the end of the life no, of the car. The heater, the heater worked. We drove around with a cracked head gasket for years. Of course you really expensive to fix. We drove to New York and back with a cracked head gasket. With a cracked head gasket, yeah. It was a blower. I literally, by the time I bought a car, it was because I couldn't get to work anymore. Relax. They still gave you a K for that car, though. <laughs> that's better than that's better than beautiful darkness which also had a yeah. blown head gasket uh, uh do y'all remember Frank, do you remember that story of me selling that car to cash for clunkers or whatever the fuck it was when i hey, call that guy seven cars for kids. when i call that guy and he's like he read down all the shit wrong with it and everything he's like all right i'll give you 500 dollars for it i was like cool uh, all right, I, let me call around. I called back and I'm like, uh, you know, hey, I just called. You gave me this quote. He's like, yeah, well, I'm going to give you $300 for it now. And I was like, well, <laughs> the guy, this other guy said he was going to give me six. And he goes, $250. I was like, okay, I will take the $250, sir, because the other guy said he wouldn't buy it, but I didn't want you to know. So, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I fucked myself so bad. He was like, yeah, he went like, 500 doing you a fucking favor right now, and you're trying to negotiate. Yeah, he's like, you're a piece of shit. I can't even like, sell it for scrap for more than $250, but I'm going to give you three. Like I, one journey we all have in common is that like shitty car that had to see its way out. It's dude. I had mine. Mrs. Brian would drive it to her work because it was only three miles and my work was seven miles and it would start overheating at four miles. So she wow. would drive it to her job and then it would just sit in the parking lot and smoke until about 11 o'clock in the morning. And everybody heard it coming because that car was loud as fuck. It had I had drilled out the catalytic converters because they had plugged, they had clogged themselves because I ran it. Jesus Christ, Brian! (laughs) Dude, I did. It was a, mm, it was an environmental disaster uh, on its own. Like California, they would have given you twenty five to life. That NATO was going to have sanctions on my fucking car uh, (laughs) if it had not died when it did. I remember when I when I pushed it onto the, I had to push it out of the parking spot so that we could get up onto the wrecker. And I remember the tow truck driver got out and he was like, he just looked at me and goes, can you help? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess I this help. is the least I could do for yeah. my car. Yeah. I mean, the guy already shorted me fucking $250 from what he originally <laughs> offered. So yeah, this is my shame. Yeah. I'll push this yeah. out. Of it. And I go, I, I like pushed it. I was like, bye buddy. And he goes, you attached? Like, I guess it's my first car. He goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he just got yeah. it, hooked it up and yanked its ass up onto the lift. I was like, oh, not really taking care of it from here out, are you? <laughs> so, no, nobody's ever driving that thing again. No. It's like, hey, but you got you got the mileage out of it, dude. We had a lot of fun. In that that bastard, I got it. It had 59,000 miles on it. When I, when I let it go, it had 197,000 miles on it. And they were hard. 
hard miles. Bastards across the street from me have this car with like several flat tires. Mm. Mm. Has you know has the Kansas plates quality. Love <laughs> like, that. Definitely made it here, and then just that was it. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you literally just someone will come get that for free. I know it doesn't run anymore. You never even get in it. Like they're definitely in their like early to mid twenties. Yeah, it's like bro, please just do literally anything with that fucking vehicle, bro. Like, here's yeah. here's here's how here's how fucked up I was. Okay, living in an in a college apartment complex as a married adult. Okay, with a job, uh, this car stopped running. I got it to like one of the side, like undesirable parking spots that like have like a constant like, floods and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, parked it over there, and it set for about nine months <laughs> taking up a parking spot at a college fucking Ryan. apartment complex. And then the day before we moved out, I was like, "Yeah, I should probably get this thing towed, huh?" Like, <laughs> I was that piece of shit. I was that piece of shit. I mean, that's, you know, but this is worse. This has been over a year now. Eh, Okay. So here's the real question, right? Um, You got a thousand for the Sable. It was definitely not an as bad condition. A thousand for the Sable. I think I got like a hundred or like between a hundred and five hundred or something. The guy bought it for his daughter and then he immediately wrecked it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> while, while we while we were still like, don't fucking drive it because it's still insured under my name and all the shit immediately drives it. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you know? and like, so then I have to go to the parking lot and like go proof of insurance and shit. And wait, he was in your parking lot. He rear-ended her too, and now she's like the type who's like, "Yo, I think it's pushed in," and like you're looking at the front end. There's nothing wrong here. He like barely tapped your fucking vehicle. You wait, know, like, there's no wait. pain. He he was in the parking lot where you sold him the car, and he got into a wreck. <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. Oh, okay. Hey, Look at New later. Jersey. You know, rush hour. It gets so like trafficy. And it's like stop and go. You know, yeah. like that classic thing, just like it does in your fucking towns. And uh, and he uh, it was doing that, and he, I'm guessing he wasn't paying attention or whatever. She braked hard, and he wasn't able to stop in time. Which he I didn't don't... know the power with which he yeah. <laughs> he let too many ponies out, and he couldn't the, rein yeah, them in. He let the horses run. That's terrible. And so then they pulled that idea you know, in a parking lot. Sorry, what were you saying, Frank? No, I was saying it's a bad idea to let her run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What that so, little so they slug pulled off in a parking lot, and then this was the type of person who's like, "I'm gonna milk this fucking situation for everything I can." And like, I mean, I had it insured, so fucker. <laughs> oh my god! All right, y'all. So yep. Saint Elmo's coming up. Yep, Saint Elmo, and then we uh, we'll see if there's a still uh, Austin uh, edition. It may just be Saint Elmo. Uh, be surprised when you listen in at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at in my life, y'all where i'm at uh thank you all for listening to another episode of no real left behind uh if you haven't already be sure to go rate review and subscribe to never miss an episode i mean i'm sure you're already subscribed tell a friend um how great your life has improved because of our uh podcast said no one ever uh really just you know thank you all for checking us out hit us up over on social media at no beer left cast at uh on twitter and instagram and um yeah thank you all we'll see you next time for brian here in north texas until you hear me just a second i'm out uh for villa tulsa thank you guys for listening um 
And if you're thinking non-primary nuclear targets, I urge you to think Tulsa. <laughs> Get it over with quick. <laughs> you know, one of the funniest Ask Reddits of the last, like, I don't know, probably since Ask Reddit has been open, is what would you do if nuclear war broke out? Or what would be, like, what would be your last thing to do? And in my mind, I was like, you wouldn't know what happened until you turned into sand. Like, just the ridiculous fucking... Yeah, in any case... Try to get underground if I had any sort of lead time whatsoever. <laughs> but... Why would I, though? Like, what what miserable reality would I be living in? <laughs> like, like, That's a good you know, I'm just going to sit around, and if the nuke hits me, it hits me, and I'm out. Um, <clears throat> I'll turn into the fucking ghost of darkness or something. I don't know, but... Yeah, so someone was literally trying to survive nuclear war on Reddit, which to me made no sense. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll peace out, thanks. Um, for Frank in Austin, it's not le- nuclear war yet, but if it is, I'll be out as well. Peace. Beer.